You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I don't know if, you, if, uh, if you're like me, guys, but I'm a, I'm a birthday baby. I want my birthday to go right. Uh, don't mess with my birthday, please. You know, the 364 days, that's fine. I'm pretty flexible, but don't mess with my birthday. I want it to go, I want it to go my way. I don't, I don't want it to go your way. I want it to go my way, and I will cry if I want to, if my party doesn't go the way. I want it from 6 a.m. all the way till 12 o'clock at night when I lay my sweet little uh, face down on the pillow. I want it to be my day. I want it to go really well, and, uh, and sometimes it doesn't. I've, uh, I've, I've shed many a tear, maybe not on the outside, but definitely on the inside. You know, these poor, I mean, you get your expectations up, and it's only your poor wife can't stand under these expectations. They can't live up to the invisible expectations that are going on in between your ears. Um, except on my 35th birthday. I didn't cry on my 35th birthday. I had a great birthday on my 35th. Anybody remember your favorite birthday? Hopefully it wasn't like 20 years ago or whatever. My dad was in town, and actually on my birthday that day, nothing went as planned. It was all crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to show you a quick little video of something I sent out to the group text inviting everybody to my birthday. This was not on social media. This is just the group text, and I just sat my dad down. I said, you know what people really listen to is text messages, and you know what they listen to even more than that? Video text messages. This is how you're going to get people coming to the party. So I made this little video. I sat down with my dad. I want everything to go as planned, and just see if you think this was my plan or not. Go for it. Hello there. Hello, Dan. <laughs> fancy seeing you. It's fancy seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> you're invited to come on a Friday for this Samsung introduction party. Yeah. This is not an iPad. iPad is out. It's Samsung is in. Okay. And I pick it because my son's birthday and he needs to now update his iPad. Okay. So there's going to be food. Is there food at this thing? There's food at the party at six. The Samsung. They're going to be so lost to what this even is. Yes. Is it, this is for my... This is not for my birthday. This is for your birthday. Okay. Do I get a Samsung? Margin, Do I get the Samsung at the end of the birthday? Well, I, if you if you like it, then you can watch it. Okay. And then you can have it for two days. So this has nothing to do with my birthday. It has everything it has to do, everything with, do with, you. with your new tablet. I know that you got at Best Buy. I know you wouldn't come unless you see something new. And what? This is something When's new. the party at? Friday, <laughs> six p.m. Hello there. Anything uh, wrong or right about me, you can just point back to the tree, back to the old apple <laughs> falling from the tree. Uh, that about summed it up for how the day went. So I don't know if you had any more pictures back there, uh, Justin, but a whole slew of people came up because that, from that invitation. That was a great invitation. Um, lots of different people that mean a lot to me in my life, people that were uh, older, younger, all different ki- kinds of sides of uh, me and Kyra's journey and story, and we played... Um, some fun games. It was really loud. We had some spicy Chinese food. My dad cooked up a killer Chinese dinner, which was according to plan, so I was super happy about that. And uh, afterwards, it was a great time. Uh, Kyle Walker, who's uh, actually, I think, on vacation today, uh, was with me in his uh, Jetta. He, about halfway down to go see, I think it was Jumanji 2 or something, this movie, he goes, where's my iPhone? And then he goes, wait a minute, I realized I put the iPhone on the top of my roof, right? So me and Brian Flora go back all the way down, whatever that is, Levon Road, which is a pretty busy road in Simpsonville, and find his, like, shattered iPhone, right, from last week. And I uh, had a great time. His tire popped on the way to the movie, okay? 
This is a great serendipity moment. And uh, my favorite thing is when it popped, Brian Flora from The Christmas Story gets out of the car and he goes, time me, uh, like the dad, and proceeded to change that thing so quick. So it was one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, my dear uh, daughter, give a hand for Rose Wong, who's back from summer camp this week, and I'm so happy for her. I was sad because uh, she had her sweet 16 golden birthday, June 16th, away from home. The golden girl, I was so, so, so sad, but also so proud of her. She um, had a great week over there at CYA camp, training up to like go and preach the gospel at different areas like apartments and, and schools and different things all throughout the summer. Be praying for her. She goes um, this summer. And in the middle of that, missed the Sweet 16, missed the Coldplay concert, right? And missed uh, an opportunity to go see Hamilton, but coming back just full of the Spirit and super excited about um, what Jesus is doing in her life. And so uh, we, did, uh, we did paint a Sweet 16 van, a little caravan to drive down to Columbia to go get her. You can see Ollie's holding the little branch because that's about the time when the branches started swaying and the, and the, and the limbs off, or the tree things started falling down. There was a literal like hurricane, like a like amber, like whatever color phase two hurricane that was covering us in rain. So the next slide, um, I almost got struck by lightning about six times coming into this Japanese restaurant, and all of that writing was all like faded off. You can see in the back left hand, um, dripping down the side of the van. But you know, sometimes when things don't go according to plan, you have the best kind of days, right? Um, last picture there, um, the, the, the one little necklace charm that we wanted to get for Rose did not come in the mail fast enough, but one thing that Kyra did find in going to get old photographs before they were on the digitals was that little box on the left there that we had totally forgotten about that my dad and family sent to Rose when she was first born, a golden little locket with a rose on it, which is her birth thing, and we found it the day before her birthday. And so the point is, is that sometimes... Um, uh, the best days don't go according to plan. Sometimes when we get our days just right and we put our sandbox together and we make our little Zen garden, it doesn't turn out to be as restful as if the Lord would write the day or create the day for us. We have this interesting, ironic relationship with rest in the sense that we think that the more control we can get in our life, the more rest we'll experience. But funny enough, we often experience the opposite that when we engineer and micromanage the people and the places and the times, we actually squeeze our day empty of rest rather than fill it. Isn't that a funny dynamic? I was with a couple, and there's a lot of stakes for wedding days. You know, we're at the Rutherford down there, beautiful family, and they love the kids, and they've got everyone in from out of town. And I say, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today, and (laughs) lightning strikes. And all this rain starts hitting us, just like Rose's birthday. And we're running in, like that movie, It's About Time, into the little lobby there, if you guys have been in the Rutherford. And here's this bride and this groom who have planned for, well, obviously years, but the last months have been just devoted to getting this thing together. The father of the groom's there, the mother and all that stuff. And the party and the, and the groom and everybody is cracking up. I'll tell you what, it was the funnest, most joyful, real, like, what marriage is all about type of wedding I've probably ever done before that I couldn't have put down on the wedding arrangement because God plans better days than us. I know a couple who gave birth to a severely, right, special needs handicapped child. And out of that came a ministry that has marked them for the last 30 years. Sometimes God's plans are better than ours, even when we don't control them. I've gone into small groups before and 
just based on where I am in life and where I am in the day, I share some of the most unpolished, ugly parts of me, and instead of being rejected, I'm accepted, and I feel more rest than any of the vacations that I plan out. So I want you to picture this, right? It's, a, it's, it's this illusion of rest, more control equals more rest. I want you to think of the most type A, planned out, have all the ducks in a row together person that you have in your life, and I want you to ask yourself, would you more appropriately associate the word rest or restlessness with that person? I want you to think about the generations that we have. I'm in Generation X. I was just on the cusp, not quite a millennial. After me is Generation Y, which is the millennials, most of us right in the room. And then there's Z, just below that is my daughter and, and their crew, right? As the time has gone on, we've made more and more money. We have more and more freedom. We have more and more exposure. We have more and more power and control. But yet we're more and more anxious and depressed than any other nation in any other time, as if control is going to lead us to rest. So the illusion of rest is that control leads us to rest, but the truth of rest is that rest lives where the faith lives. We get access to rest, not through control, but through faith. That's not chaos, that's just coming to the end to myself and realizing that at the end of me, I meet God for the first time. And rest is a gift, it's not a paycheck, that I receive, that I enter into. So Hebrews is talking to us today. We're not sure who the writer is, but it's like a sermon you ever read it before. And in Hebrews chapter 4, what his premise about Sabbath rest is, real Sabbath rest, the thing we're trying to buy, the thing that all the Instagram models and pictures are all trying to pitch to us where everything's in its right place, okay? The Sabbath, according to this writer in Hebrews, is saying that the Sabbath is not an imaginary thing. It's a real thing. It's a real thing, and it exists. And and when, and when the Jews celebrated and celebrated the seventh day of the Sabbath, it wasn't just a day to take a vacation. It was pointing to something that happened. Like in my state, in Indiana, you know, we have Clay High School, a thing that says, 1994 state champs. You guys have that sign? Whatever that is, the thing that we did right. You know, we did everything wrong, but we st- you know what they can't take from us? We won the state championship in 1994, and you can't take that away. It happened. Right? So that's what Sabbath is saying is that this whole thing is screwed up, and we know it's screwed up from the inside out, but it didn't start screwed up. It started on purpose. It started blessed. It started put together where everything in its right place. We practice the Sabbath because it happened. But it's not just a, a, a promise for the present. It's something that it's going to happen in the end. So, so writer in Hebrews, what he's saying is that we rest not because we hope that it's going to get better. No, it happened. Sabbath happened. He propped his feet up. He said it's holy. It's all put together. It's already done. Sabbath happened, and according to the Jews, not only Christians, it will happen again. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that, is that there's this reality that Sabbath is real, and it's not only that it's happened, it's not only that it will happen again, but that it's today and that it's always happening. And therefore, it's not something that we actually even keep or make, or the Sabbath is not really even something we practice, it's something we enter. We didn't ruin the party by leaving Eden, the party's still happening. The Sabbath rest is still in existence. God's doing fine without us at his party. He created the rest, and it's still going. It happened. It's going to happen again, and it's happening, and we're the ones that are just outside the party. It's bad news that we're not the party, but it's good news that it's still happening. And so therefore, the Sabbath is not something that we can put on a calendar and not something that we can micromanage and party organize. It's not something that we can make or keep or design. Hebrews says it's something we have to enter. 
something that we're invited to, that we can enter into, that we can't control, and we can't engineer. We just have to enter into it. By what? By control? No, by faith. By faith. So that's what Jesus was doing. You know, five times he ever talks about the Sabbath. We talk about it and have all these debates. You know, five times he talks about the Sabbath. He's running into people like us doing our nonstop, non-Sabbath type of life. You know what he says to every single person when he's healing people on Sabbath? Y'all missed the point, man. Y'all came to this party like it's a business meeting. You ever meet somebody that goes to the parties and they can't party? They go to the party and they keep talking about problems. Why are you at a party talking about problems? Don't even come to the party then. Yeah, I got to fix that light bulb, you know, that goes like, oh, that, you know, comes to the party, your TV's not hung right. Let me just like reassess your TV. It's like, that's not the point. Why are you nitpicking on what people are doing, how many sticks they're carrying? The, sa- the Lord of the Sabbath is here. Why are you talking about, you know, your little subcategories of theology about who's in and who's out? I'm in, and I'm inviting you in, and anybody that's in is in. And so the Lord of the Sabbath is here. How can you work on the Sabbath when I have come to eliminate all works in my perfect work in Jesus Christ? He says, you missed the point, right? And so this, this word that we're trying to chew on for these four weeks, and it's not even enough, really. It's a huge word, right? Because the Sabbath is like the ocean. It's just deeper than anyone has ever swum before, right? But every little kid can experience it or stay out of the water. And, and, and so that's why I tried to pick four different words to, to, to get a scope of what this thing even is, right? Because when somebody says Sabbath in the Bible, what they really mean is heaven. Can you practice heaven? Are, are we, is it a law to practice heaven? How many, on the seventh day? You know, it's like, it's a huge word. Sabbath just means everything in its right place, right? So it's a huge thing. It's a, it's a person and it's a promise. However, it's also a practice. It's a thing that you can do by stopping, by resting, by delighting, and by worshiping, and something apparently you can do wrong, is what Jesus is saying. And then more than just one day, it's an everyday kind of thing. It's a posture. It's an everyday posture, a way that we, 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 would, we would position ourselves in light of what's true, what's true about Jesus and what's true about us. And so this is what is important to get a headway for because, you know, I think a lot of times when I'm looking out on Sunday mornings, people are just, just tell me what to do, man. Like, just get out of the theology and just, like, tell me what to do. And next week, we're going to get into some more practical things and, like, what Sabbath could mean and, and how do I Sabbath with kids and how do I Sabbath when I have introvert, extrovert spouses and I live out in the country and it's like, how, you know, so we're going to get into some practical, but it's like, if you do the practice without the promise, you miss the point. That's why we would stay for a little bit. To talk about the promise, like if you have a husband and a wife, both trying to be married with different visions of what marriage is, you're going to have some problems. If you have two business partners that don't have the same mission statement or they don't have the same vision, you're going to have some problems. And similarly, in terms of Sabbath, you can't practice, practice the heaven Sabbath while dreaming for the American dream promise. You can't use Sabbath to get your ends. It's the Sabbath, ultimately, the, probably the best way to, to, to take a big word and bundle it into a warm invitation is simply this. What's the Sabbath? Come and follow my yoke. That's what the Sabbath is. And so it's all of it. The yoke is not some of the Sabbath. It's all of the Sabbath. It's Jesus. But Jesus, we're not just living in his stomach in heaven. He's going to rule with an economy that actually runs the right way. So it's Jesus, his kingdom, his promise, it's, it's the practice of how I get along day-to-day in 24-hour cycles, and then it's the posture of faith. And so it's like it's getting the promise and practicing within that promise. Uh, we were 2000 and, I don't know, 11, and Brene Brown, TED Talk had come out, and 
we were reading these books. We come from a baby boomer, more materialistic, more fast-paced, more self-help kind of a legacy that our parents were, right? And we, we swing from self-help to self-care. Y'all know that? That's what we're trying to do. We don't want to be unhealthy. We want to be healthy. We don't want, we don't want material, right? We want experience. And so therefore, we don't want unlimited life. We want healthy boundaries. That's, all the, that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to be about, right? With or without Jesus, okay? And so we had read the Renee Bound book, and we're about to keep your love on and being powerful and setting your boundaries. So I'm at this church, and the pastor's probably like 26, and Pastor Steve. Shout out to Pastor Steve over at Crossroads Church, great guy and a mentor of mine. Uh, he says, well, Ollie, it's time to move the baptismal. So Pastor Steve <laughs> comes out, and uh, we had had a baptism, and it was awesome. And, uh, and he says, me and this pastor, why don't you come out and help? And the pastor next to me, like we had been reading the Brene Brown thing, he, the pastor, pastor Steve, he's, like, he's like, let's go move the baptismal. And it's just, you know, we had a moment there of like, millennials and baby boomers in the workplace. We could have a whole podcast on that right there, right? Of just values and like clashes. Time to move the basketball. And this 26-year-old pastor says, uh, he goes, I don't know, Steve. He's like, I'm practicing my Sabbath right now, and so I don't have that on my calendar. I'm going to need to be a no for me on that one. I mean, like, I kind of, I drummed up the drum, but I just sat there and watched this, right? And so there's a little bit of a, little bit of a of disagreement in terms and I just thought to myself as I'm listening to this, and I love the Brene Brown, but it's like, I listen to this, I'm like, I wonder if we've missed the point. I wonder if we've done the practice and forgot the, about the promise. Because here's the thing, I love, this is a great quote from Rich Hodge, and you guys know, like boundaries are banks, they're not barriers. Boundaries should help relationships flow. The minute a boundary is there to create distance, the boundary has not served its purpose. And remember, we're coming into rest, and it's not the yoga of Jesus, it's the yoke of Jesus, right? So, so he's not here to, he's here for self-denial. Like, it's not self-help, it's not self-care, it's self-denial. And wherever he is in faith is Jesus, right? So it's not the kingdom of Zen, it's the kingdom of heaven, right? And, and, and last but not least is that, um, is, is that ultimately um, you can't, you can unfollow and unsubscribe, you can't curate the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven comes through faith, not control. So I can't cancel people enough out of my life that I could just experience heaven because heaven's a gift. It's not a paycheck. So here's the real secret of, of rest, of Sabbath, is that it's his yoke. What's one word that explains the depth and the breadth of the ocean of Sabbath? Come and follow my yoke and you'll experience rest. His person, his promise, his practice, his posture, the secret of rest. If you are tired and weary and heavy laden, right, here's where the answer is. It's laying down your yoke for his yoke. Let me just have a little therapy with us right now. Let me just list a lot of stuff that you can't control. You ready? You can't control. You might not have ever thought of this before. You cannot control your kids' spouses. One day, you, you know, you, we all have little kids. They're going to come home, and they're going to bring a spouse, and there's going to be something you don't like about them. And guess what? You can't control that. <laughs> you can't control who your spouse is becoming. You might not know that. You might be still trying to fight that, but you can't. They're going to become who they're becoming, and you're not the Holy Spirit in their life. You can't even control your personal health. You're going to go to the doctor next month, and he's going to tell you a bunch of stuff. And he's like, I didn't know that was in my body. I thought we had an agreement here. No, your body's going to do what it's doing. You can't control the gas prices. You can't control famine. You can't control war. You can't control if your family accepts or rejects you. So here's the secret, right? The secret of the yoke is not control, it's faith. And the secret of rest, the secret of Jesus' yoke, 
is you can't control what happens to you, but you can choose the yoke you choose to walk in it with. You can choose the person, and that's either Jordan Peterson or Jesus. You can choose the promise, which is your American dream, your 10-year plan, or the kingdom of heaven. It's your choice. You can choose the practice, the nonstop, unlimited life of I have, I'm not a human being. I don't need to sleep, right? Or the practice that abides in the yoke of Jesus, which is a six in one, some kind of a rhythm, and the posture. You either are God or you're not God, and you trust the God who is. Because the writer of Hebrews is telling us that rest is real. It's still going on. We got rejected from, or we rejected it, rather. It's still going on without us. The party still continues. And oftentimes, I think we miss the rest of Jesus because we just don't recognize it in plain sight. Join with me in Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you have fallen short. I don't want my rest. I've been there before. I've had my perfect day, and it's great, and my blood pressure's maybe a little bit lower, but it's not real. I've tasted the difference, like you have, between my rest and his rest, and I'm not made for the, the former. I'm made for the latter. I'm made for his rest, and I don't want to fall short of it. So the author continues, verse, verse 2. For we also have had the good news. There it is. It's not the kingdom of Zen. It's the kingdom of the gospel. It's that what's true of Jesus is now true of me. So no matter where I go, whatever waves I'm around, or Egypt I'm in, or famine, or Judas that I get betraying me, I still have access to enter into rest in the middle of chaos because of the gospel. So the message, the party, the music in the faint distance continues to call us, but none of that matters if we don't hear it and we don't listen to it. Look what it says in verse 2. They had the good news proclaimed, but it was of no value to them because they didn't believe it existed. What's the difference, right? If between going there or not going there, if I don't know that it exists, it doesn't exist for me, so therefore it doesn't exist between my ears. Verse 3, now we who have believed enter the rest. We don't work for it, keep it, practice it. We enter it because it's a party that we're not hosting. Just as God has said, so I declared in my oath of anger, they shall not enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere, I can't remember where this was spoken, but on the seventh day, In these words, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us, rest is a fact. Rest rest is more real than you and me. It exists. The reason why we're trying to buy it on Amazon is because we know it's out there somewhere and we want it. And the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Ecclesiastes, the eternity that's on my heart that I desire, it exists. It's out there. It happened like the 1994 Clay Basketball Championship. It will happen again in the end of time, as all the prophets have always said, and therefore it's happening right now. So he goes back to this Old Testament little episode of the Israelites at Meribah, the first test they ever encountered. You know what the first test is they got in the desert? Of course, the first test is water. Is there any water out here? You got us out here from this slavery in Egypt. You think about bringing some water? All y'all moms up there, I told you, should have brought the water to the soccer game. You're starving. You know, you're super thirsty now. He says, that was a test. That was not a test about water, it was a test about rest, is what he says. Okay, so I have a teenager, and here's what happens. They get out of sixth grade, they get into seventh grade, and they get some real homework. Okay, the kids get some real homework. And and here's what the teenagers love to do, is they love to make their test into your test. 
dad, you know, mom, the reason why this test, you know, the reason why I can't do this is because this teacher and this parent and this thing and this thing and this thing and this it has nothing to do with the fact that I left my homework at school, right? It's, it's because of all these other problems around me, right? And so therefore, my test is now your test. So you know what you always say to them? It's like, sweetie, I already passed eighth grade. Like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I passed this test before. This ain't my test. Friend, that's your test, right? That's your test. They always want to take, you know, their test and make it your test. So the Hebrews is saying is that the test was never about the water. It was always about the rest. And then ultimately... Once they got out of the water test, they got into the food test, and they still struggled on that test. And then once they got out of the food test, they got into the enemy's test, and they still struggled on that test. And what's the point? Is that really wasn't about the desert. It was about them. The distance between them and ultimate rest was actually not the chaos around them. It was the sin inside of them. That's the mentality of every human other than Jesus who passed the test in the desert, is that we want to blame God for the chaos around us, saying that the reason why I don't experience rest on the inside is because of the chaos that you're not solving in my life, and we miss out on what the real test is, which is believing the gospel, which is saving us from sin and not chaos. The real distance between us and rest is not chaos, it's sin. That's what he's saying, okay? And so that's the test is that, is, is the reason why I don't have rest right now because of my kids and my in-laws and my vacation and my pay, the chaos around me, and the things that God has not yet done for me? Or is it that the rest exists in Sabbath and I just refuse to enter it because I'm too stubborn-hearted to believe him for the gospel? That he's in charge of those who are in charge. That's always the test and we never get to circumvent the test because he's already passed the test. It's our test that we're supposed to be walking in, right? So I go into the perfect coffee shop. I mean, it's perfect. The perfect tattoos and the perfect flowers are everywhere and there's just perfect t-shirts everywhere, and it's so vibrant, and it was not too loud, but not too quiet. What's up, bro? You want some of this single-origin kombucha that I just brought from the market today? Like, I mean, it's just perfect, you know? It's the perfect thing. Have you ever been somewhere where it's so perfect that something ain't right, right? It's like a Stepford Wives moment, like, this is so perfect, something must be wrong, you know what I mean? It's something's wrong, and your tattoos are great. As they tell stories. You start talking about tattoos. You get into it. He had broken up with a girlfriend that he had been with for 10 years. It was like a marriage, but they never called it a marriage. And you get into the, into the story of that, and he used to believe, be a believer, and now he's starting to turn away from his faith because he can't reconcile why a God, a good God, would break his heart or allow somebody to break his heart like that. And so now he's starting to think about, you know, what kind of business he's going to start and what he's going to do. And what's my point is that I'm here to test. I don't know about him, but I'm here to testify that I experienced more rest in that brokenness than all the perfection of that coffee shop. Because the thesis is if everything is all as it should be and it's not broken and the only distance between us and rest is chaos, then let's put some great color schemes on there and put a charcuterie board out and we'll be good. But the point is, is that we put the color schemes together and we keep moving cities and keep changing gods and jobs and keep taking all the classes, and it's never quite right. Even when the chaos is eliminated, it's still something's not right. Because the writer of Hebrews is saying is the distance between us and rest isn't chaos. It's a hard heart. It's that we're blaming God rather than believing the gospel. And we think that just another job and another snack and another glass of wine, another jacuzzi, and another, it's like, have we learned the lesson yet? Have you been around the cycle before, right? The distance between us is not chaos, it's the gospel. And so if that's true, 
then what the invitation is is saying, rest is not based on my ability to make things right. It's based on the fact that he already has. I don't need to make myself right. He's already made me right in Jesus. And unless I believe that, I will experience no rest this side of heaven. That's, that's the itchiness of my skin. That's why I don't like to live in my skin. I don't believe I'm right, and I don't believe he's made me right. Christian or non-Christian alike. If, if I have to prove to you that I'm right, and your approval of me and your perception of me is what makes me right, then I've got to fake it to make it. Unless he's made me right, unless he sees me, heaven, the only voice that really matters about me, sees me as right through the lens of Jesus. This is where we're going to find our rest and the only place we're going to find it. So Hebrews 4, verse 6, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them, they didn't. I mean, it wasn't just the Moses people. It was the Joshua people, you know, and the David people. And all the kings, like all the kings and all the little people, they never <clears throat> put Humpty Dumpty back together again, and they never entered rest because they're stubborn-hearted, not because their enemies were too big. The gospel was proclaimed, and they didn't come into the party. They got the invitation, and they, they were too busy. And so they died on the outside, right? They, they gave themselves to disobedience. Verse 7, God again set a certain day ahead, and he called it, not then, not later, but now. He calls rest today. That's where rest lives. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, today is when you're going to hear his voice, and today when you're not going to harden your heart. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish following their example of disobedience. And so what the writer is saying is that it's not just a specific test on a specific day for those people in Meribah. It's the test of humanity throughout time, that every king has come and gone, and no king has been able to be without idols and without intimidation and without bullies and, and rest in the promise of God that every king has tested God rather than trust God in the middle of the test. That's the problem with every king except for King Jesus and those that enter in through the gospel. And so I think what we could take this down to 222 is, 2022 is, is that oftentimes it's not that rest isn't real or that it is ultimately rejected to us in, in Christ Jesus, that today he's saying that God is speaking to all of our hearts through the Holy Spirit and saying, listen, if you don't harden your hearts, you have an opportunity to taste the rest that no one else can sell you, to taste the rest that you can't make on your own, and don't follow the example of the disobedient, the ones that have done so many times in the cautionary tale and the writing on the walls, and say, nah, I'm good, okay? Nah, I'm good. I'm going to test you rather than trust you in the middle of the test. Okay? So maybe the reason why is not because we're rejected from rest, but because we can't recognize it in plain sight. We couldn't see his rest despite our nose. So I'll show you a picture. Something I've been celebrating lately is Luke Steffensmeyer's small group slash youth group, mini group. I don't know what you even call this anymore. It's like keeps getting bigger. It's like, bro, we got 30 people in here. If you were to draw on the back of a napkin your perfect day, you would have certain people and certain pictures and certain things and dynamics going on about money. Here's the, here's the thing. If Jesus were to write a postcard, pick, to draw a postcard of his picture of Sabbath rest for today, I don't know what you would put down, but he would put that. That's what he would put. Have you ever been to a party that the, 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 the glasses were clinking, 
and the times were right, and there were hearts at the table that really cared, that had not just loved the good, bright sides of you, but loved the ugly sides of you too. And you didn't have to put on a front, put on a face, lure, confidence, or success around them. You just were able to be in their presence within the presence of God. Have you ever tasted that and known you were rich? This is what Jesus is saying Sabbath rest is. You might not like it, but sorry, you're not hosting the party. Nations, neighbors, needs met, nothing uncommon. That's the Sabbath rest that he's talking about. God is not an introvert. I'm sorry, I'm an introvert. God's not an introvert. And he is laboring. He says, from that time until now, my father and I have been laboring so that this world could have rest. That's what rest is. And all the millionaires in the world and the therapeutic things that we do and the yoga and the meditation, it's like, it's all lonely except for the fellowship of God's family. That's what rest is. And so if you go and ask, if you go and ask him, I, I talked to him just recapping from the years of Fantastic Gear and um, highs and lows and, and all these things. This is Justin Kennedy's birthday. His 30th birthday, by the way. The man moved here two years ago with his fam. And I'm, I, hopefully I'm not overstepping his testimony. Like, feels like he's found family at this place, like a spiritual family in that group. I mean, can you give him any more money than that to make him any richer than that? He's just had his baby. He's surrounded by brothers. He celebrates his 30th birthday with a great guy and a great crew, Luke and the, and the friends, right? And he's there. And I'm looking at his face and there's nothing that can make him any richer or poorer for it. That's the rest. That's it, right? So you go interview Luke and he's like, yeah, there's people in there. And you know people, they have problems. There's drama, just like every other group. There's like awkward conversations, just like every other. It's not like, so he says, do everything you can to enter the rest. You don't just, you know, meditate your way into it. There's steps of faith to enter. Don't, right, like neglect the labor that it takes to enter into rest. There's still a process. There's still work. I asked Luke the other day, I was like, you know, is there, are you leading from overflow? It's a big deal for leaders. Are you leading from emptiness? Or are you leading from overflow? He's like, you know what? Most of the time it's overflow. Some Thursday nights, I just don't want to do it. I am tired. I just want to go to sleep. But there's something funny because once everybody gets there and by the time that everybody says goodbye, somehow I came into emptiness and left with fullness. I don't know where this energy comes from. Okay, and so the picture, like if I practice Sabbath, hey, bro, like I'm practicing Sabbath, so... I got my boundaries in my Google calendar and I'm busy. Like, if I practice Sabbath without the promise of Jesus, I'm going to be frustrated. This isn't my party. I'm not hosting the party. I don't run the party. I can't plan the party. I don't get to choose who's at the party. I enter the party through faith, knowing that his dream is better than mine, right? And so he closes all this, and I think it comes down to one invitation for all of us today, anybody that would have ears to hear, Hebrews 4, God said it again on a certain day. Like, he keeps giving the invitation. This is not a party that he's rejected us on. It's a party we've run from. And it's still going, with or without us. And this is the, this is the party. God again said a certain day, and he calls it. Listen, remember that song in Sesame Street? Can you tell me how to get there? Can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? I just can't seem to find it. He says, it's right here, and it's today. It's today. It's right, it's right here, and it's right now. It's not at the other end of the five easy payments, you know, for that Roomba, right? It's not on the other side of that. It's either right here or it's nowhere. Don't miss it because it's right here. And there's lots of people that want to sell you that it's somewhere else, but it's not. It's right here. It's today. This, right, this he did when a long time ago after he spoke through David, as the passage already said, today if you hear his, hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Have you ever, I, I wake up, this is a great little journaling thing that I've been doing. I get up on Google Photos 
and I look at the five years ago today. Have you ever done that? One of the saddest things that ever happens in the mornings when you get on your phone and you look at the five years ago today and you look at the picture and you just think to yourself, where was I on that day? Like you can't even remember because you were moving so fast, living in the past or running from it and living for the future that you weren't in the right now. You weren't where your feet were. Not just for a moment, but for days and days and days, you had basically the kingdom of heaven, all this stuff. We live in the most rich and awesome, and you guys, I mean, we are rich spiritually and physically and emotionally, and we're still fussing about stuff, bringing our laptop to birthday parties that we can't wake up and enjoy the rest that God has given us because we can't go to a party that we're not in control of. Right? And, so, and so this is, I remember my favorite thing show is like The Last Dance. One of the things they said about Michael Jordan, he's got big hands, he can jump high. You know, they, the guy said at the very end, his superpower was that he was, he was always in the present. That's what athletes do. They have to live in the present. That's what makes, and even writing and, or, or, or working or parenting, like being in the moment is like, he's like, you could, people pay thousands of dollars and they go off to India to figure out how to meditate and get here. He's like, Michael Jordan, he's like, was always right here. Okay, and here's why I think there's a fascination right now about meditation and yoga. I joke about it, but it's, it's to be respected. And here's why. Because oftentimes, I think we teach prayer wrong. And so with the abuse and the misuse of the way we teach and practice prayer, we go look for what it should have done in the places of meditation. Because it's offering us the ability to be right here, right now. And we teach prayer. I often think you think about the way that people talk about and do prayer, usually... In our hands and in our mouths, prayer is either the escape of reality or the control of it. I'm going to sit in this prayer closet and just hit a mantra in my head for long enough to a song over here, and I don't have to think about my neighbor. It's an escape. That's not what the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read it in a second. That's not prayer. We are not praying to escape this. The very second word is thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to read it in a second. It's also not control. That this is what God says and this is what it's going to happen. This, it's like, it's not control either. It's not passivity, but it's not control. Right? And so oftentimes I think, you know, me and Kyra, we, we, we do yoga sometimes, little stretches, and she makes fun of me because, she, because she's real black and white. They're like, just bring the energy into your temple. She's like, you can't create energy. Like, that's number one, right? <laughs> the other one was, uh, she was getting on about this one. Um, just feel the weightlessness of your body right now. <laughs> it's like you can't, you can't exchange. I, 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 was, I was talking to um, my aunt in China. She, she became a Christian. And she said, I practiced Buddhism for a long time. She, she meditated. She did all that stuff. She says, great. You know what's missing from Buddhism and meditation? Buddhism is lonely. Meditation and prayer are very similar. They're both designed to bring you in faith to the right here, right now. The question is, is when you get right here and right now, are you going to be with Jesus or without him? That's the difference between yoga and prayer, right? That's the difference. And so this is what prayer is. It's not an escape and it's not control, but it's bringing you right here, right now with Jesus. That's the good news. That's what the good news. So look at this, this prayer, okay? So this is the Our Father prayer. And it's not control and it's not escape, but let's read it together. This is what it says. I remember it. Okay, here it is. He's <laughs> like, well, let's see if you really know it, Pastor. Um, our Father, 
right? Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did Jesus tell you to pray to hide your head in the sand from the problems that you have? No. He's telling you to dwell right here, right now, knowing that your rest doesn't exist in metaphor. It exists in reality. That you can trust what Jesus is saying about your world and what he's doing in your world is more real and more permanent than anything that's happening around you. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Is there anybody in there that's just being an alpha in that prayer? Are you in charge when you're praying that? Are you the one telling God what he ought to be? No, this is about faith. This is about realizing that the best birthday party is the one that he plans, not me. So I trust him and I yield to him in the posture, not just the practice, but the promise and the person. The yoke of Jesus is where rest is. You either have it there or it's nowhere. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil inside of me and the evil around me. Deliver me from that, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is where rest exists. It's right here and it's right now. Or it's nowhere. It exists as you, as a child of God, trusting that he is true with the person that he sent for rest. He is true with the promises that he has set for you for rest. He's, he's, he's true in terms of he can do more in six than you can do in eight with the practices. You're not an unlimited human being and you need to sleep and drink and eat water, you know, drink water and get out in the sun just like a plant. This is where the rest exists or it doesn't exist anywhere and it's right here and it's right now. So this is what he says. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Rest is available. It's a party that you're not the boss of that you're invited to. And by the way, don't bring the laptop. And celebrate that the, the Lord of the Sabbath, even if it's not quite done yet, it's done in Christ. It's done in the Sabbath. And your rest is not on the other side of control. It's the other side of faith. So next week, just as a preview, we are going to get into some more practical things. I'll put up a couple of things on the slide of people with kids and people without kids and empty nesters and some of these ideas. But remember that Sabbath is not just worklessness, it's worship. And it's not just worship, it's, it's also rest. And it's the convergence of stopping and resting and delighting in worship, that slowly my soul catches back up with my body again, and I not only talk about the theology of rest, I practice it with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. So if there's a slide up there, just to, I don't know, um, to talk about, I really loved that a lot of these in families had to do with journeying to somebody else's hobby, that it had to do with just enjoying something and not nitpicking it or fixing it or trying to make it better, but just celebrating and taking a posture of gratitude. How about a next slide? Um, we'll be talking about some of these uh, next time. Single parents, we'll go to the next slide. The next one talks about single parents. I know getting a, um, <clears throat> a babysitter could be in order for you to take rest seriously and really act and not just believe that you're not the one that runs the universe. Uh, for single people, finding a, a friend to go to coffee with or go to a movie, whatever it is that would bring you delight. Romans 14 says that faith is colorful and rest will look different in different personalities. I love one of the quotes that I read in terms of the practice of rest is people that work with their head need to rest with their hands and people that work with their hands need to rest with their head. So consider that this is a yoke that comes from Jesus, but it looks different than your neighbor's. Everybody's yoke will look different when it comes to how your personality and how your day and how your week is going to find the promise, not just the posture uh, and the practice of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. 
For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc. 